In Jesus' famous sermon called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, the disciples asked him, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered that question in that sermon. And Daniel 12 delves into that question as well. We'll learn about the end of the age today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now from Daniel 9.27, we learn that at the three and a half year point, halfway between the last seven years, that's Daniel's 70th week, what's gonna happen? We're gonna have something called the abomination that causes desolation. This is going to spark the great tribulation and the Antichrist is going to claim that he's some sort of God and that he wants worship. At that time, it'll be the abomination that causes desolation. Luke 21 tells us that Israel will be surrounded by armies. We have all of these kind of pieces that we start to put together. And we have the second three and a half years, which we, will, we believe is the great tribulation there. And that time, as soon as they have finished, it will be, notice end of seven, shattering the power of the holy people. All these events will be completed. Now the holy people, I believe, still in context is Israel. And their power will be shattered. The Antichrist is going to be allowed to have some domination for a time. It will be given to him to shatter the power of thy holy people. Why? Because it seems to be their power <laughs> that needs to be shattered. Their self-reliance. Do you know right now, and you have to be impressed, you go to Israel today, man, they are such an incredibly self-reliant people. One of the things that you can do when you go to Israel is you go to Masada, and in Masada, or on Masada, and you actually take a trolley car, and it takes you all the way up to the top of Masada, and there they tell the story of a group of Jewish people who committed mass suicide as the Romans were coming up the backside of Masada to try to destroy them. And they committed mass suicide, but up there on top of the mountain is where, and everybody, by the way, serves at least two years of military service in Israel. It doesn't matter, male or female. You serve, you're gonna be serving in the military. And you go up there and you make a commitment on top of Masada, and here's essentially what they say. Never again. And what they mean, my understanding, is that they will never allow the Holocaust to happen again as it happened at the hands of Nazi Germany. They will never allow it again. That's why you're even hearing today as Hamas and uh, they fire rockets into Israel, Israel's always responding in kind or in like. And it's, it can be very hard because we have Palestinians who are Christians in Israel. Uh, when we were in Israel, our guide was a Palestinian Christian. Our tour guide was a Palestinian believer. So the issues can be very complicated because we know we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we know uh, I will bless those who bless you and we know those verses, but we have brothers and sisters who are actually Palestinian believers in Jesus Christ. And so this is where it's hard. But here's what happens. 
They get peppered with rockets and Israel has the, uh, that defense system, what's it called, the Iron Dome defense system and, and then they fire back and then, you know, there's blame and stuff going back and forth and this, this, is, this is what's going on and at some point in this unfolding of time, the power of thy holy people is going to be shattered. It, it, it's going to be overcome. They're going to have to rely upon God's power and not theirs. It's not a bad place to be, but it's a very uncomfortable place to be. Paul said, I had the thorn in my flesh and I prayed three times that the Lord would remove it. And the Lord said, no. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in what? In weakness. It's the power of weakness. So contra everything that we learn in our world, right? About self-reliance and all of that stuff. And so the power of thy holy people will be shattered. The, uh, just for your notes, write down Revelation 10, 4 through 6, where you'll see another picture of Jesus uh, who is raising his hands. And I believe uh, there it may say, well, let's go over there. Tell you what, hold your place. Go over to Revelation 10. Let me show you this comparison, and then I want to make an application that I hope will warm your heart. This is Revelation 10. Look at verse 4. Revelation 10, 4 says, When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, God made everything, not evolution, not a big bang, God made it. And there shall be a delay no longer. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. You see, it will be at this time when there will be verse six, Revelation 10, no more delay. The angel raises his right hand. Here in Daniel, it's both hands being raised to heaven and there's language of an oath. Go back to Daniel 12, 7, look at it again. It says, he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever. What do you think in oath language the, the oath was? I think it's something like this. This is going to happen and I am going to be true to my word because this is where we need assurance because we look at things sometimes and we have questions as Christians, right? Where is this world headed? Is the book of Revelation really going to come to pass? Is the book of Daniel really going to come to pass? And right here in the midst of the final chapter, if you will, the, the one above the waters raises up his hands in oath 
type of positioning and language and swears by him who lives forever and ever and essentially says, yes, you can take this to the bank. It is true. This will come to pass. And if you're reading this and you're living in the end times and you see that, you're, you take heart because you've anchored your whole life and your future in this being reality. And you get a word of promise here, an oath. God can swear by nobody higher, so he swears by himself. This is going to happen. There's going to be a three and a half year time that's going to be very hard. It's going to shatter the power of thy holy people. Verse 8. As for me, Daniel says, Daniel 12, 8, I heard but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? What's going to happen to my people? Daniel might say something like this. If the power of my people is going to be shattered, if my people are going to be broken, how does the story end? Will the Antichrist win? Will darkness prevail? I mean, isn't that really the, the history of every story? Every good story is a battle between good and evil, right? And sometimes when you're engrossed in a movie about good and evil, and I can't help but think of the Lord of the Rings movies when, remember Gandalf is out on the ledge and those terrible armies are coming of, what is it, the, the org? Are they the orcs, those ugly dudes? And they're, roof, roof. <laughs> they're kind of like, <laughs> scary looking beasts, man. And these, you know, short little hobbits <laughs> trying to even look over the wall. I'm afraid. What's going to happen? Nobody would choose to live in a time like this. But this is the time, Gandalf says, paraphrasing, that you've been placed in. So, stand your ground. Be of good cheer. We know how the story ends. Some of us have had to face that at cemeteries. We see there's a hole in the ground and there's a loved one's body that's gone there and we say, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, but am I going to see that person again? Are they really going to rise or is this the end of the story? Does death win? Does death have the final say? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't. I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say, I'll teach you about it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will, he'll live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question, do you believe this? Apparently God puts a high value on faith. What's going to happen to my people? You know, you, you look at the culture right now, you look at society, and you begin to ask some big questions. You look at the church and you, you know, there's people who say, is the church being salt and light? Is the light of the church waning in our culture? Is the secular humanistic message winning the day? You look at college campuses, you look at what's happened to our world and you can ask those questions. And an oath is made, I think, to give us hope. And he said, go your way, Daniel, verse 9. 
For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. They are locked up in the vault of God's omnipotence and God's sovereignty. Essentially, don't worry about it now, Daniel. The words, words are sealed up. It's going to be for a future time. It's going to be for the time of the end. The message will be... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will he'll live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question, do you believe this? Apparently God puts a high value on faith. What's going to happen to my people? You know, you, you look at the culture right now, you look at society, and you begin to ask some big questions. You look at the church, and you, you know, there's people who say, is the church being salt and light? Is the light of the church waning in our culture? Is the secular humanistic message winning the day? You look at college campuses, you look at what's happened to our world, and you can ask those questions. And an oath is made, I think, to give us hope. And he said, go your way, Daniel, verse 9, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. They are locked up in the vault of God's omnipotence and God's sovereignty. Essentially, don't worry about it now, Daniel. The words, words are sealed up. It's going to be for a future time. It's going to be for the time of the end. The message will be of the utmost importance for that, importance for that time, but not now. The primary purpose of Revelation was to inform those who live in the time of the end. And so look at verse 9. Daniel, you go your way. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he won't what? Depart from it. Daniel, go your way. How old is Daniel at this time? Probably late 80s to 90. He doesn't have much more time on the planet. So the angel could tell him, you go your way. This, this is not going to apply to your lifetime. Daniel, go your way. Do you know what your way is? Do you know the way that God has laid out for you to live? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know that the famous verse in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go is his bent, his giftedness, his call from God. As parents, we are supposed to not 
create cookie cutters. We're supposed to discover the way that that child has been shaped by God and encourage them in that way, in the way that they should go. Always, of course, under the umbrella of serving God, but in the giftedness to which God has called them. That's what we have to discover. First, we have to discover what our way is, amen? Then we need to pass it on to them and say, you use your gifts to follow God, but go your way. If you haven't discovered what your spiritual gifts are, you can do that. What do you feel a tug toward? Where do you have a passion? Where, when you serve in a certain area, do other people say, you know what? You're called to this, man. I can see gifts in you that, you know, when you do this particular thing, people respond. When you do this certain thing, you're good at it. That's probably your way. And the only thing you have to do is go. <laughs> and that is perhaps the biggest challenge. Who was it, the clash that said, saying, should I stay or should I go now? If I go, it will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double. <laughs> so come on and let me know. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Sometimes we stay because we think it'll keep us out of trouble. Oh, I don't know. How many, how, many, how many people in the scriptures that God says, uh, okay, it's time, it's go time, and they say, oh, no, 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 Lord. Here I am, Lord, send him. Here I am, Lord, send her. You have the wrong address. I'm of the least of the families of Corona. Don't you know I'm not good at public speaking? Duh. Lord, can I inform you about my... My weakness is, no, I've got the right guy. I've got the right gal. I'm calling you. See, the problem is, sometimes we don't want to go. We don't want to just say, Lord, okay, if you are calling me, then you will equip me to do what you've called me to do, so I'm going to go, wherever that means, whatever that means. For some of you, it means go into that Sunday school room and actually teach Sunday school. But those little kids are so scary. I know. But you'll have a helper in the classroom. And we try to get big, muscular guys. I'm just kidding. I don't even know. <laughs> we could use guys, Chloe. They, they could go into the classroom. Do you know, how, are most of your Sunday school teachers male or female? They're female. We have about two you have two men teaching Sunday school. Hmm. That's all I have to say about that. You see, in verse 10, moving out of application to the end times, many will be purged, purified, and, and refined. But the wicked will act wickedly and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight, you can write down chapter 12, verse three there, will understand. You see, when the power of the holy people is shattered, three things will happen, New American Standard. Yeah, it's a little different in some of the versions. Many will be purged. It means to be purified, probably through a process. 
The second word is purified, which means to be made spotless, NIV. Be made white or cleansed, ESV. Cleansed, New Living Translation. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be what? White as snow. And refined, which means to smelt, to fuse, to prove in the fire, to test. Why does God allow troubling times sometimes so that we have no power and no strength left? So that we will be purged, purified, and refined. And it's, some, and it's hot in the fire. And it's uncomfortable in the fire. And when God's scraping away the dross in my life, ow! <laughs> no, don't touch that spot again. <laughs> Why does God allow this trouble as Israel is the focal point so that there will be a purging, a purifying and a refining. Why does God allow trouble times in my life so that there will be a purging, a purifying, and a refining? Why does God put certain difficult people into my life so that there will be a purging, a purifying, and a refining? <laughs> See, this is where the change comes. In the everyday stuff of life, it's where he purges us of junk, purifies us, and refines us. Look at Daniel 11.35. Similar language when it says, and some of those who have insight will fall, Daniel 11.35, in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. There will be those Daniel 12.10, who understand and in their understanding, they will, they will get insight and that seems to be a big part of what's going on here, that they will see God for who he is. You know, when you get purged and purified and refined, it's usually so that you can see things through God's perspective. See, what he's trying to get out of you, and I mean out of you, is self. What he's scraping away is selfishness. What he's purifying is all those rough edges. You've got to melt them away. So you can see him. So you can understand him. So you can say like, Job, I heard about you before, but now I see you. I'm going to be quiet now. You talk, I'll listen. And when that happens to you, God is making you a vessel fit for the master's use. That's why James says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And it has a result that you may be perfect, lacking in nothing. But there will be people, 1210, who even though they're in the midst of the fire, will not understand, they will not see <clears throat> The wicked will act wickedly and none of the wicked will understand. Those who have insight will understand. Those who have their eyes open to the ways of God will understand. And this applies in our day as well. But the wicked will continue to act wickedly and they will not get it. They will not understand. It will be the time of Jacob's trouble. And those who are written in the book of life will be rescued. Remember Jesus told the story about the ten virgins 
Five were wise, five were foolish. Five had uh, oil for their lamps and five had no oil. And on that day, when they knock at the door, they say, let us in, let us into the wedding feast. And the master opens the door and says, depart from me, I never knew you. And from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week, we've already established the abomination of desolation, where he stops the regular uh, offering in the temple, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be what? 1,290 days. Now, just when we thought we had the 1,260 down, now there's 1,290 days, which is three and a half years plus another month. Another 30 days. Why do we have an extra 30 days? Well, there's all kinds of ideas as to why, but let me give you the two primary ones that I think it is. I think it is the extra 30 days are going to be a time for national mourning in Israel and national cleansing. Thanks for listening to the teaching in Daniel chapter 12 the end of the age. I want to let you know that your financial support is greatly appreciated. When you give to Walk in Truth, you're essentially helping us pay for everything that goes into getting this program on the radio. We are grateful that we can get the Word of God on the air. We would love to enter this new year with the ability to grow this ministry so we can reach more towns and more people like you with a powerful teaching of the Word of God. Please visit walkintruth.com today and click on the donate button on the top right-hand corner. You can either give a one-time tax-deductible donation, or I would love it if you believe in our mission, if you believe in what we do, if you would become a monthly partner. Visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much. God bless you. And a very blessed and Merry Christmas. Well, there's more to come from this final majestic chapter in the book of Daniel, so be sure to tune in again next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.